go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Welcome to the program, episode six of the Steelers Wire podcast. I'm Ryan O'Leary alongside Kurt Popejoy, as I am every week. This is interesting. The Steelers are forced into a bye week here after preparing to play the Titans on the road all week. They're waiting. Is, is Are they going to play? Are they not going to play? They find out later in the week that they're not going to play. Now they're forced to take a bye in week four. So there is some fallout there for the Steelers, right, Kurt? I mean, let's jump off right there. Like, what do you think about the Steelers being forced to take this early bye? And now they're going to be playing, what, 13? straight weeks and you know if they make the playoffs and don't get the number one seed 14 15 straight weeks that's you got to worry now is that going to take its toll when you have you know an older quarterback and and stuff like that right absolutely i mean this changes this changes everything for the steelers from a from a personnel rotation standpoint mike tomlin you've seen in the past where he he rotates guys mid-season cuts reps on younger players usually in the middle of the season to try to give them rest so they don't hit that rookie wall now he's going to have to consider that with veterans we could see guys getting snaps through weeks 9 10 11 that we maybe wouldn't have expected to see otherwise you know it, the whole thing was so mishandled by the NFL they've had they had 6 months to prepare for this scenario and clearly they weren't ready they they had no idea what to do when this actually happened they expanded practice squad rosters they gave teams the option to call up players off the practice squad None of that mattered. All their plans that they had in place, none of that made a bit of difference when it came right down to it. And I just, I don't know how you, how the league sits back and sort of sort of absorbs the criticism they're taking without making some pretty drastic actions. As it is right now, they're just going to wait and see what team does this next and kind of go from there. And I, you know, Pittsburgh basically was punished for what the Titans did. Am I saying the Titans threw a COVID party or whatever? No, I'm not saying that. But clearly there was some problems with how they were handling their protocols in-house. And now the Steelers are getting punished for it. They've got to play the, the Titans, Cowboys, and Ravens back to back to back in the middle of the season because of this. And that could have a, a huge impact on the, the way the end of the season is. It seems like the NFL's response to this is just to tighten up their rules on COVID-19, right? This is what we've seen uh, yeah. come out this week. They want guys to wear PPE and, and socially distance during practice, which... That's going to be hard to yeah. do. Well, they're, they're banning and, and all these and surveillance and yeah, all these yeah. things that they're wanting to do now. And yeah, they're banning these team gatherings like we saw with the Raiders. That's been the NFL's response, Kurt, right? They're just saying, yeah. no, we're going to tighten up on the policies and we're going to fine you and we're going to you know punish you if we find that you're in violation of this. So the NFL seems to think that it's on the teams and that, that the teams are screwing up here. Yeah. What we saw with Tennessee is on the Titans and what we saw with the Patriots and what, you know, what a tough situation the Pats were in. My Pats, Kurt, my Pats oh my having, to go, having to fly to Kansas City on Monday without their starting quarterback. That worked out great. Patriots that, are really good. Well, but, and, <laughs> go you know, that's the thing is that that morning they were still testing players. That could have game could have not been played last night. If four or five other Patriots would have tested positive, then 
the Patriots and Chiefs schedules would have been completely thrown out because they would have had to start moving by weeks again and shuffling games around again. And there's got to be a better protocol for what happens when players start testing positive. I've had people tell me that they should just treat it like injuries, that you just go forward. You play with who you've got left. I ran a poll on Steelers Wire. How should the NFL have handled last week's game? And around 85% of the vote was to either play it last week or the Titans should have forfeited. So that's kind of the mindset of at least the Steelers fans. Now, would they feel that way if 14 players on the Steelers tested positive? I don't know. Probably not. It's it's easy to be so critical when it's the other team. This is uh, an interesting piece is like, how did the Steelers, first of all, how much of a break did the team really get with their, you know, impromptu week four bye? And how does Mike Tomlin now approach the grind of the season now going forward when, you know, they're not going to have a bye week coming up mid-season, which was kind of set up very nicely for them before. So what do you think about that? Like, was this even a break? Because I know Tomlin was talking about, man, we were preparing for this team. This is like we were were ramped up and ready to go this week. It wasn't like the players got time off, right? No, I think they got a few days from the physical. I mean, once they, they officially announced it, I think it was Wednesday of last week, they were able to get, I think, three days off. Which, you know, then, then you bring in the CBA and all that sort of thing. And did they get a, an actual bye week and that sort of thing? I think the biggest part is, is there's that emotional piece and the game preparation piece that now you sort of have to start from scratch. Got to take on Philadelphia now. All that work they put into to planning for the Titans has to be put away. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I, I look for, for Tomlin. If, if you watch any team close enough, you can kind of see trends in snap counts. And that's one of the things I kind of do with Pittsburgh. I kind of look for what players are getting, you know, midseason. He has a tendency. Last year, for example, Devin Bush was having an amazing rookie season. Three games in the middle of the season, um, Tomlin cut his reps down to about 30% per game for three games. He came out after he was questioned on it. He said, yeah, I just don't want my rookies to hit a wall. So three games where we thought we could rest him a little more, we did. And then he was more ready to go down the stretch. I'm going to keep a very close eye on how much of that happens with veteran players this year. Are they going to are they going to give Joe Hayden a little extra rest middle of the season than they normally would cuz Joe Hayden right now the guys in the secondary are playing 100% of snaps every game. Hayden, Steven Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds. Those guys are up, all of them, like 98, 99% of snaps. Are they going to have to change that up a little bit so Joe Hayden isn't gassed for the last two games of the regular season? Are they going to have to, Cam Hayward going to have to get some get some reps, allow Isaiah Bugs or Chris Wormley to come in and take some of his reps midseason so that way Cam's not worn out. Tyson Alualu having a great season, but he's 34 years old. And so I don't know that he can do 15, 16 straight games including the playoffs so we'll see how it all works out but i look for some rotational stuff over the next few weeks especially to kind of see once they hit that stride week seven eight nine they're gonna have to give some guys a break kurt while you were talking you kind of jogged my memory like what is a bye week for a football team right a bye week is not only a chance to rest your players like i just like i asked you it's a chance to get a head start on your next opponent it's a chance to get a head start on the eagles maybe get a head start on a big division game coming up in the ravens in a few weeks right i mean that is what a bye week is supposed to be and the Steelers wasted half their time preparing for a team that they're not playing this week so I I don't want to sit here and apologize for the Steelers too much but they did get screwed here because now they didn't get that head start on the Eagles you typically would get on a typical bye week and I'm thankful that that the team you know Philadelphia is really struggling this year Um, if this was Brown's 
Ravens, something like that, I would I would have much more concern about the lack of, of extra preparation. The difference is now when the Steelers do play the Ravens this season for their first matchup, the Ravens will now be coming off of their bye week. Before, the Ravens and Steelers would have been coming off their bye weeks together. Now, the Ravens are going to get their bye week and then play Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's just going to be in the middle of this gauntlet of games. So, yeah, there's a lot to this. Really, if you if you start to dig into the schedule, there's a lot to this. Kurt had some interesting commentary on the uh, Steelers wire about what the NFL should do to save the 2020 season. I want to talk about that article here coming up. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 5. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater faces the Atlanta Falcons, which is the worst defense of quarterbacks through four weeks. Atlanta has many injuries on the back end, and Carolina has plenty of ways to exploit this defense. It has been so bad, even Nick Foles threw three touchdowns and a half just a couple weeks ago. With Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers on a bye, consider Teddy Bridgewater as a viable starting quarterback. Jacksonville Jaguars running back James Robinson has the best matchup in the league league for rushing yards generated. Houston has given up 651 yards on the ground in four games, including six rushing touchdowns. That's one every 20 carries. In addition, running backs have added another touchdown through the air. There's no telling how Houston will respond to the firing of head coach Bill O'Brien this week, but what we do know is this is a prime matchup to be exploited, and Robinson should be a running back two in all redraft lineups. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal has a fine matchup of his own. The Cleveland Browns have given up eight touchdowns in four games against wide receivers. Names on the list include the likes of Willie Sneed, Mike Thomas, no, not that Mike Thomas, and Dontrell Inman. As you can see, that's not exactly a high bar to cross. Pascal will have some ups and downs, and Phillip Rivers has struggled, but this is a great matchup, and he's playable in a pinch. Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Eric Ebron comes back from their premature bye week to face the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a fine gamble for owners who are looking for a fill-in tight end or even a flex play. Philadelphia has permitted the position to score once every six and a half catches, which is the fourth highest rate. Just four teams have allowed more yards and more catches to the position in 2020 and a little extra time to prepare works in Pittsburgh's favor. Be sure to stay up on the latest news and notes, especially with COVID-19's impact on fantasy football. For more information, check out thehuddle.com. I think we're all understanding of the situation. It's not, it's not lack of understanding. It's just that, you know, we live in these, you know, seven-day cycles, if you will, and we had a, a, a game scheduled, and so we were going through a process, and not only is that physical work, that's mental work, and, and so we were, you know, readying ourselves for, for the opportunity, and, and we're not getting it, and so it is a letdown. So that's Mike Tomlin, obviously, talking, Kurt, about, as we were talking about in the previous segment, just the Steelers getting screwed. They got screwed in this game. This is, there's no other way to put it. And this is a yeah. tough way to play football, going week to yeah. week and having games postponed but not canceled. So it's postponed, but are we playing Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday? And we don't know, and it continues to go on and on and on. This is a hard way to play football. That's, that's just a hard way to do business. I'll let you talk about it, but you actually proposed that the league right now, I think you said, right now, shut it down yeah. for two weeks and get it right. Why don't you talk about your uh, plan for the NFL? what you think they should do. My thought was that that shut the league down for two weeks, lock down the teams, create their own bubbles. Two weeks, let's get everybody tested, get everything right. In the meantime, the NFL needs to tear up the schedule and 
come back with a with a completely revised brand new schedule 12 games build in two bye weeks for the entire league if they go 16 games full 16 game schedule they could do three bye weeks and have everybody on those bye weeks at the same time so if you have to fill in a game that's when you would fill in that game if tennessee and pittsburgh can't play then that game gets moved to that bye week and then they just you just move forward. But I don't see how the league can just continue to operate week to week. There's no reason not to make drastic changes. Fans aren't at the games. So, I mean, a few stadiums, yes, are, are allowing limited fans. But we're not talking about causing a, a massive disruption on the fan base. They could stop the season for two weeks, get people healthy again, and then put in a schedule in place. If they got to dump some non-conference games and go to 12 games to finish the season, so be it. Somebody mentioned on, on a comment on that article that said, well, there's no way the, the league is going to give up that TV money to shorten the schedule. Well, if they don't get things right, they're going to lose all the TV money because the season's going to be over. Yeah. I so think- they may want to pick their poison. You know, do you want a 12-game season or do you want a seven-game season and they have to shut it down after seven weeks? So I don't see any reason why the NFL isn't taking a more proactive approach to this, but they just really feel like they're just reacting to the to the situations as they come up and just stomping out fires instead of trying to figure out what how, how they can fix this long term. What you're saying is is very interesting. It's not something I ever thought about, but uh, I think it's interesting. I guess I didn't think about it because I don't think the NFL will do it, Kurt, even if that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do it. For me, I was like, why not add a week 18, right? Just add this phantom yeah. week where every team's going to be off week 18 unless there's a postponed game. So now we can move Steelers-Titans to week 18 and the Steelers can still have their regular bye week. So now, okay, you're not playing in week four, but you're not getting punished for it. So I would have liked to see something like that happen instead of them juggling the bye week thing. I I hated that. I just don't think that's fair. For me, when you look at the NFL and should they shut it down and we could discuss the merit of that, maybe that is the right thing. But maybe even if we create the bubbles, like how do we know they're going to make it work? Like We look at the MLB. They had the thing with the Miami Marlins and they found a way to get to the MLB playoffs somehow, right? We were all saying the same thing about the MLB, like it's not going to work. How can the NFL look at the MLB and say, we're going to shut it down when the MLB didn't? You know what I mean? So I think exactly. even if even if there's exactly. merit there, we're not going to see the NFL do it, are we? No, no, we're not going to see them do anything like that. Where I I like the idea of an of an extra week. I think that would be definitely a, a step in the right direction to try to make some of this a little easier. But no, the the league thinks they are bigger than everything. I mean, the NFL feels like they can weather any storm. Fans will always be there whatever that looks like you know fans are upset about the game getting moved shortened by week but when that game comes on everybody's going to watch i mean so they i 100%. think they know they they always have the fans in their pocket when it comes to we will come back and we will support our team regardless of how uncomfortable the situation is or how how many changes they have to make to to get it right yeah, I, I think the NFL is is going to just keep pressing on and hope maybe that this won't happen again. Maybe they hope all this punitive stuff is going to going to keep teams from having another Titan situation. I certainly hope so. I don't I don't want to see this keep happening to other teams. You know, at this point, you have to assume that human error is going to come in there and this won't be the the only team we see this season that that gets themselves in trouble with this. No, this has been a it was a brutal week. It was a brutal week. I'm sure Steelers fans yeah. really felt it out here in New England where I'm based. Uh, we definitely felt it like, oh, the Patriots have a positive test. It's Cam Newton. It's like, oh, God, talk about yeah. having the air taken out of your balloon. Right. I mean, God. And they moved the game to Monday and 
this was a sobering week because I love football. I know you love football, Kurt. We all love football. Yeah. This is like we're talking right now because of the football season and we all want football to happen. But now this is like a sobering week because it feels very possible that we don't get to the end. Like maybe we don't. And it's reminded that COVID-19 just is not going to disappear just because we love football and it's the NFL. You know what I mean? Like right. it's and, still here. Everybody's still just causing, preparing. Right. It's still causing problems. Now we have to start like I have to start preparing myself that what if we don't get to the end? What if we don't make it to the end? What if this gets shut down? What if this keeps happening? We have outbreaks on multiple teams and we just start shutting things down and then we don't get to the end. Okay. That would be terrible. I mean, man, I don't even want to or, think or about it. Happens, but we have to understand that it could happen. Or what happens if we if we do make it and multiple teams have to keep moving their schedules around and they find themselves, you know, contending teams find themselves in this position on other teams, this entire season gets a big asterisk. You know, is anything valid at that point? Does anybody, can, can you look at this season with any comfort that this season was representative of, of what the players wanted and what the fans wanted? And it's it's unfortunate. I mean, you're going to get to playoff time, and if a couple other big-name teams falter because their schedules got moved around, you're going to have fan bases in an uproar because of what happened. And this season is not going to matter. It's going to it's going to be back to the old days of college football when the national champion was picked by a, a poll voted on by coaches, and everybody claimed the title. I mean, that's it's just going to be a, a nightmare. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it's so true. The NFL, that asterisk. The, the NFL is trying to be the only league without the asterisk, right? I mean, every other league, MLB played 60 games and, yeah. you know, the Rays were the number one seed in the, in the American League. Like, come on, basketball going to the bubble. We know how big home court advantage is in basketball. That definitely changes things all across the board, all across the board. The Stanley Cup playoffs, like, come on, my Boston yeah. Bruins were on fire and they look like crap when we got to the bubble. You know what I mean? So every league has yeah. been completely turned inside out. The only thing the NFL has had to deal with is really the loss of fans. Uh, and that's that's really what we're seeing offenses just light it up. It's the loss of fans and, and the COVID thing. But other than that, the teams are playing pretty much every week and they're playing football and they're going to try to play 16 seasons. So it seems like the NFL is just desperately trying not to have the asterisk thing. Like they want this to be a yeah. legit season and they're going to like ride or die with it. Yeah, I think that whoever can limp to the finish line is going to get the Lombardi this year. That's right, right. Uh, okay. that's, that's exactly right. Kurt like gave us a hint about what he feels about this NFC East, this powerful NFC East where the uh, first place <laughs> Eagles play. Uh, so we'll talk about that game here. Steelers, Eagles, coming up. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and BetSlippin' Podcasts, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on Week 5 Sunday Night Football matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored to win by 7 points at home. Seahawks plus 7 road dogs over under 57.5 points. Jeff, I know we're both on the Seahawks to win this game and cover the 7 points. How do you feel about that over under? Yes, and I'm on the over in this game. Both the Vikings and the Seahawks have gone over the total in three of their four games this season. The Vikings have scored 30-plus in three of their four games, and the Seahawks have scored 30-plus in all four games. Also, a nice little trend here. The over is cash in four of the last five Seahawks primetime home games, with the other game being a push. Overs are abundant in the NFL this season. The sportsbooks are starting to take note. This 57.5 figure, way too high. Sunday night football matchup boosting that up as well. 
Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet7 Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. All right, Kurt, the, uh, the rested Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Steelers are home in this game, seven-point favorites. They're going to take on a Philly team that has not looked very good, but they did beat the 49ers JV squad last weekend. So the, uh, <laughs> And that got the Eagles in first place in their division, which is great. I, like I said, I think that if the Steelers had to go through what they went through the last week, getting a, a team that got their first win and somehow leads their division, which is so bizarre to me, you know, I think this, this game really kind of plays into their hands. I, I talked about some concerns. Are the Steelers a little distracted from everything that happened? Are they going to be able to get their attention turned to the Eagles and be focused, ready to play? Are they going to be a little overconfident because Philadelphia's one, two, and one? I don't know. I, I, I want to believe this game's going to be a good one for Pittsburgh. Their offense is figuring it out. Philadelphia's offensive line isn't very good. Lane Johnson got hurt last week. I think that the Steelers' defense and how, how much they hit the quarterback – They've got to be looking at this as an opportunity to really, really, you know, rough up the Eagles a little bit. I, I want to be confident. I just, when it comes to Pittsburgh, until I see it, I'm always a little little hesitant to see if they're going to come out fired up, ready to play. And yeah. all these distractions this week just just adds to that at this point. A lot of distractions um, and a lot of time to think about the 3-0 and record, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, don't get too caught up in the fact you're 3-0. and Just like don't get caught up too much that the Eagles are 1-2-1. The, the worst loss that Pittsburgh's had under Mike Tomlin, at least one of the worst losses under Mike Tomlin was the last time they played the Eagles. And they were supposed to be much better than the Eagles. And I think the Eagles beat them 34 to 3 or 34 to 6. And it was one of the ugliest pieces of football I've ever seen. I remember that. I don't think of the other stuff. So. <laughs> All right. Well, so we'll see what happens. Steelers, we hope, return to football this week. So, Kurt, uh, yeah. hey, man, have a great week and look forward to your coverage on the Steelers wire, right, my man? All right. Sounds good. Thanks. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.